Episode 17. Wow. We're getting spicy. We're into our late teens. Yeah. What was 17 like for you, huh, Morgan? Horrible. Mm. <laughs> I was depressed as fuck. <laughs> I, I really like the way the numbers look next to each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Not to change the topic from your depression. Oh, no. But, that's okay. But the one is kind of like it's going to grow into a seven if you do a one with that little tilde oh, at the yeah. start. The little, sure. Do what do you? you call What do you call the handle? I think that's called a handle. Okay. We can call that it kind of one. No, yeah. when I'm writing a one, only only a crazy person writes their ones like that. I but mean, I recognize it on signage. Yeah, it's a serif, I believe. Okay. But I think a handle, if it's like a little curve at the start. It's tipping its hat to you. Yeah, that's like, you know, a cursive P that you start with. Sure, sure. A little upstroke. Yeah. A little concave yeah. up. <laughs> On your ones? No, if you do scoop. that on your ones, you're a crazy person or you're European. Some Europeans will just draw <laughs> draw a fucking mountain and call that their one, you know, a skinny tall triangle without the base. And they're like, that's what? a one. Yeah. They'll do like two ones that have I've never just seen slanted this. into each other. I've never yep. seen a TP one. Look for the TP one. It's out there. <laughs> the one tent. <laughs> I bet now I'll see them everywhere. If you go to Europe, you will. I don't have any plans to. <laughs> Maybe there are Europeans here <laughs> that I will read their writing. There are. I met a, a nice Finnish man named Yoni last night. Oh, yeah? Didn't see any of his handwriting. But I know a few Yonis. Did you? My Did dad's any of nickname, them kindergarten teachers? No. Could be the same one. Oh, no, okay. I don't think so. Um, my dad's nickname for my mom was Yoni. Aww. Her name's Joan, so I don't know. That makes sense. He, he, you you know, soften the J and do a yeah. Right. It's just, it's like uninvolving your, your tongue, I guess, from the J. Yeah, yeah. That requires me to press yeah. my tongue against my roof. And yeah, 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 yeah. I just like let my yeah. tongue go soft, and then the ja becomes the yeah. Uh huh. So it's like lazy. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> lazy. If you want to put a negative term on it, it's easy. Uh huh. It's breezy. Uh-huh. It's softer. It's more relaxed. Yeah. Yoni. Yoni. Yoni is mm. even more. Then you don't even have Yoni. to close for the end. Yeah, if you don't put your tongue up there for the end, it just sounds like Y O Y. Yoy. Yeah. Um, so, what are you bringing to the table today? All Anything? right. I have a, here's some advice I want to ask you for, if that's what you're getting at. Please. Most of human history, people didn't have soap, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Isn't that true? Like, soap I is, guess not. Soap I guess is not, not something that came with the man evolution that's like not as as soon as we were human we didn't have soap yeah 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 because i mean we probably made something to approximate soap or fill in the role of soap you know like a fat sure there's something by the time jesus is around i'm sure we've got something soap yeah 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 (laughs) but most of huntering and gathering i assume is pretty soapless Mm, or entirely yeah some of it i would say some of it i'm sure something some kind of cleansing substance animals don't use soap that's true they're fine but they like rub up against stuff you know i mean it's (laughs) not soap it's (laughs) (laughs) all the time the couch cushions in my old house sure it's not soap i get it (laughs) yeah um when they handle the things that they're eating which Mm. is usually raw meat Mm -hmm. they're fine (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> how is that okay? How long do they wait before they touch their mouths or put their fingers in their nose after touching something that's dead? And how is that just okay? Like, do we need soap only be, like in the way that we need toothpaste only because it's a reaction to the modern processed sugars that rot our teeth? Like, we wouldn't need to brush our teeth if we ate naturally? So, actually, there, toothbrushes are another thing that, you know, people had tools for, like, uh, I remember I was in Kenya once and they showed me like yeah, I have these when, you rip the branch, when you rip the branch apart and yeah, you know, it kind of I have one of those in my bathroom. Thing. Okay. So um, I don't know about that specifically and I don't know. I'm just using that as an analogy. I'm talking about Kenya. soap here. I know, but I'm trying to like break down the question via parallel pathways. My advice question is, can I stop washing my hands and, and it'll be cool? Um, <laughs> <laughs> define cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. <laughs> will like, I suffer any? Yeah. Will I suffer any serious repercussions for doing that? Um, or will I get better? You think that like I immune, might get better immune system wise. Yeah. Um, or will yeah. I make the species better? Is the process of washing your hands like too laborious for you right now, or do you just feel like it's unnecessary? I could trim it from my rituals. Um, there are moments that it seems impossible because I'm in the woods, and I notice that I don't wash my hands when I'm out camping, and I'm fine. Yeah, I think you'd be fine. I mean, my urge to wash my hands often is like internal. Like I'll just feel like, oh, I would feel better if my hand, if I knew my hands were clean. And a, a more perhaps uh, impactful slant to take on this is the more often in my day that I feel disgust, the worse. Like the, it primes me to, mm. f- to feel that rejection of like, oh, something is wrong. I need to fix it. I need to make it perfect. Okay, Instead so of it's accepting like whatever. Impulsive. Yeah, I think just the more you would deal, say that you're a person who, you're a poop smith and you get poop on your hands all the time and you're always washing it off. I think that that would train your brain to, to look for poop and think about how things are dirty. And yeah. if you're not a poop smith and you're just handling some ground beef every evening when you're cooking your dinner, maybe that's okay and you can just wipe them on a towel or on your pants and go on with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that at a certain point back when we rewind, as you were trying to start this epic tale with, like, people just bathed their full selves. Yeah. And there wasn't maybe specific efforts you just get to, in like, the river. wash your hands. You just you, get in you the river. Or rub. you, like, rub your hands in the river on a rock. if there's something you don't want to, like... You got to rub and rock. Rub and, rub and rock or rub the, and leave. The original soap was probably just stones, like pumice. Yeah. Holes in them that kind of scratch you a little bit. Right. It feels nice to get whatever stuck to you off of you if there's right. like something caked on you, but that plus water. Water, I believe, breaks down bonds and cleanses. Water has cleansing properties. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Surely by its like renewal. Like okay. The passage of it. But yeah, I don't know. What does what is the point of soap, really? I mean, is it is soap all psychological? <laughs> no, it definitely kills germs. I know that <laughs> No, I know, but <laughs> that that doctor who who came up with germ theory and introduced soap into the operating room, like did more to revolutionize medicine than anybody else and people stopped dying from routine surgery constantly. Else? Anything else about what soap's good, soap's good for? No, no, I mean... Uh, Do I have any other questions for advice? No, 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 no. Too right, broad. I'll, You're broadening you out too quick. <laughs> I, he said... I'll he said that, listening. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm listening. You said I'm that waiting for germ- it. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening in a very toxically masculine way. <laughs> I'm just trying to receive you. 
I just keep taking up all this space and wondering why I haven't received you yet. I'm holding so much space for you. <laughs> Hurry where, up and get in this space. What are you doing message? over there? <laughs> My ears are gaping. <laughs> um, it seems way too silly to go back to it now, but okay. I will. All right, good. Um, the germ guy... You yeah. think that that was the most important, more most important, <laughs> he most impactful? After he made that discovery, he's like, "Yeah, I'm the germ guy. Check my new Twitter handle at the germ guy. It's like Bill Nye, but for germs." <laughs> if he was German, that would have been even better. Oh yeah, yeah. He's germ, the German guy. Um, you you think that was the most beneficial invention ever? Than any, you were like than anything else. You were so confident. No, no, I said in medicine. I know, still. Yes. Within that category, even. I believe it saved the most lives of anything that we've figured out in medicine. Okay. Because the just the awareness that there are bacteria. Right, right, and right, that, right. That hurts people, and that infections are caused that way. That sure. it's not like a demon possessing a person. And we figured out that mechanism, yeah. and that's like one of the big things that makes trauma fatal. I also want to put a disclaimer out there that we don't fact check any of this and no one plans to. And mm-hmm. if you want to, please go ahead, take on that job and email us about the most impactful um, inventions on saving lives in modern You're medicine. right. I didn't research this just before, but I think it's coming from the book, uh, Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson. And wow. I believe that the- oh I got a reference. Yeah. It's a rare, it's a rarity on this I think show. the doctor's last name was Lister. Uh, I Whoa. think he's related to Listerine or they named after him or something like that. That's my association in my head. Whoa. I am about 80% confident in that that source and name. So if someone wants to look that up and totally <laughs> disprove Rob's 80% yeah. confidence. <laughs> Please email us <laughs> at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com with any of your corrections and notes on today's episode. <laughs> or if you just think we're being dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right, too. Um, we'll send you back an emoji of a thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, for reference in that particular category, Rob and I were talking before we started recording. Um, I am having a quite slow day, so I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize both to Rob and to you guys for any harm that may cause or inconvenience. I'd like to remind you of a fable um, made by Was one it one of, of Aesop's? It made by one of my favorite fabulists, Aesop. <laughs> Who's your second favorite fabulist? (laughs) Probably my dad. Oh. Yeah, now you feel like an asshole, don't you? (laughs) No. (laughs) So what did Aesop say? So there was a tortoise, and he had a counterpart who was a hare. Uh And the tortoise was very slow. The hare was very fast. But who won the race? The tortoise, because the hare decided to take a nap right before the finish line. And that's what's going to happen today, I predict. <laughs> you're going to win the podcast, because I'm going to totally blow my load at the yeah, beginning, yeah. and then I'm going to take a you nap. Take a nap during lightning round. <laughs> take a big nap. I'm going to get struck by lightning. I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and you're going to have to close out the podcast by yourself. <laughs> Very slowly. Yes. One shelled, crackled <laughs> lizard foot in front of the other. Yeah. All right. Reptilian, not lizard, because we're talking about a tortoise. Do you have any advice that you'd like to ask me for? I think that was it. Perhaps I mean, it was like, how do oh. I, how do I get through the next forty minutes of my life? What animal can you make your mascot? <laughs> well, a tortoise, yeah, or even a turtle. If you, yeah. tortoise is kind of hard to imagine. Well, speaking of hairs, I didn't put Cosmo out on the porch, so Cosmo's right there behind me. He could be my spirit animal. Although, if I if I guess appropriately, this he's just Morgan's lying rabbit. there doing nothing. 
Yep, that checks out. Okay. Good. <laughs> so we'll just leave him there. Um, he's getting over his cold. Thank you for asking. Um, he's been a little less lethargic lately. Still experiencing na- some nasal discharge. Um, could I give some unsolicited advice? Yeah. What if you decorated his cage with a little finish line and he could oh. nap next to it and it would look like oh. the hair from the tortoise and the hare? If you heard anything that I just said, it means that you know that I think that you that's like a very it. cute idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Fat probably that I won't do it. Okay. Maybe <laughs> it's a little I, defeated. <laughs> maybe it's something that I could do for you as Thank a you. friend gift. Um, cool. Well, let's discuss it. Like, let's workshop options before you just, like, commit to this decision. Because yeah. I'm sure there's something that, like, I would appreciate more than, like, Cosmo uh. having a finish line. Or, like, a still a Cosmo-based decoration what? improvement. Oh. But maybe not... That one. Maybe not that one. What if it came with a little Speedy, the Beanie Baby? I have several Speedies in my room. You would give me your Speedy? One of your Speedies? Probably not. I'd get a new one for you. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Let's just table it. We'll just workshop it. All right. We'll workshop it. All right. How about we start giving other people advice? I think that sounds good. good. Um, Great. So, um, what would you think about doing the lightning round first? Would that be insane? You're in charge. I'll follow you into the darkness, even if it's storming. <coughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, all right. Let's start with the lightning round today. Um, Lil Bat, L-I-L-B-A-T, 76, asks, can sleeping naked be dangerous? It's more comfortable, but nobody is doing it. Why? Mm. <laughs> This is a scientist. You can just tell. Yes. Um, where Why? where did you get your data that nobody's doing it? Right. I'd like to see a source on that. Yeah. It's like he, him and one other person. That being said, I sleep in my underwear. Mm-hmm. I'm not naked when I sleep generally. Neither am I. I've done it. I've done it more than a handful of times, but it's not my right. frequent default. Yeah, me neither. I just, I like feeling um, contained by underwear. Me too. Yeah. I find it distracting. Um, but the real question that he's asking, okay. even though even though he's double oh, it, double it, packed it, it with this yeah, scientific yeah. inquiry, is can it be dangerous? Of course. <laughs> Anything if, can if be dangerous. If you do it at the wrong situation, it's uh-huh. going to be dangerous. Okay, so what's, what's the wrong situation? Yeah. Uh, you have hypothermia and your body feels hot, but that's a misdirection. It's trying to trick you. A lot of people uh, get hypothermia and then they take their clothes off because they feel warm. No, 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 no. Keep those clothes on. (laughs) Keep those clothes on. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Don't trust those signals. (laughs) You'll die. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm imagining sort of a uh, scenario where having an extra layer of clothing on would be at least a a barrier between you and like something else. So like – for example, bees. either a per <laughs> yes, bees would be the number one example. Um, the number two example would be an attacker of some kind. And then the number three example would be, let's say you wake up and there's like a fire and you have to get out urgently. You have to stop and put your clothes on. You have to. <laughs> Everyone knows if there's a fire on your street, even if it's like six houses over, you have <laughs> every right to go out on the street <laughs> naked at that moment and run down the street screaming. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm talking about a scenario where it's like full-blown smoke in your living room and you have to just like run out on the street. If you're already wearing clothes, 
you don't even stop and have that thought of like, should I, am I appropriate? Mm. And you just, you're able to just be on the go. You could sleep in sneakers for that reason too. Okay. So sleep in your full like Lululemon running regalia. It's sad to me that nudity is perceived as such a threat to others in our society that a True. person would burn to death <laughs> because they were trying to put their clothes on <laughs> in an attempt to be modest on the street. Yeah. Yeah. I was, okay, I won't take a sidebar on that, but. But please, I, I invite you to. Okay. I yeah. was at the YMCA yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Tank soaked in sweat. Yeah. And I just showered and I was like, all right, I'm just going to walk out the front door without a shirt on. That's Okay. And they told me, um, uh, excuse me, sir, by the way, sorry, but you have to wear a shirt in here. And from where we're standing, the pool is visible. There are big glass windows. <laughs> no one in the pool has a shirt on. I didn't make this point, but the conversation that played out in my head after oh, yeah. when I was walking to my car was, I'll start wearing a shirt whenever you start making everyone in the pool wear a shirt <laughs> because we can see them right now. <laughs> if you can explain yeah. to me how I'm hurting anybody, yeah, no, then that's I will. Really crazy. <laughs> what is that policy? Um, it's ridiculous. You just have to wear a shirt in the gym. I, if it's like if I was using the equipment, right? But even then, even then I'm wearing a tank, and then my skin is coming in contact with it. It's not yes. like I have special skin where my belly is. That's not where my <laughs> arms are, or shoulders are. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I barely know what you're saying, but yes, I do know what you're saying. That being said, if people were fully butt naked and their asses were on the seats, yeah, um, gross and distracting. I would, yeah, I wouldn't want that at my gym. Mm-hmm. I would want people to cover their butts while they're using equipment. So but is every it more other part about, of them, is it sweat containment? I don't think, because I get really sweaty in classes and no one's ever said, hey, you're not allowed to sweat that much here. <laughs> that would be a bad gym, the gym that has a right. sweat limit. Well, but I mean, like if you're using machines <laughs> yeah. and you're really sweaty, but you have a shirt on, you're not creating as much of a puddle beneath you, like behind you mm. that someone else could slip on. I don't know. I agree I that do. the rule Once I ridiculous. hit the point of saturation in my shirt, I do create puddles. Right. Yeah. And that happens. Right. Yeah. I I think it's, that's pretty crazy. So yes, there are very specific scenarios where sleeping naked could be dangerous, but for the most part, I think no. And also you're wrong that many, many people do in fact sleep naked. They do. do. I think like half of the people that I know. Mm. (laughs) I would guess less than half for me. Okay. Just our N of two right here. Neither of us do. Fair. Yeah. Fair. No, you're right. You're right. Um, okay. Pichu, next question. <laughs> sorry that sounded like that. a wimpy sneeze. Sorry for that diversion. Because I'm tight. Because <laughs> I'm tight. Okay. Uh, this comes from user nine spelled out underscore sixteenths also spelled out. Mm. Ex-girlfriend, 42-year-old female, said she thought she was the best I, 35-year-old male, could ever do. Is this something that is okay to say to another person? Have you ever heard it or said it before? What if she is right? There's a lot more I could and would share, but I want to keep it simple for now. So his ex said that she was the best yeah, that he could do. I understand that. What the fuck and is what he's asking. His question is what the fuck? His question is, is it okay to say that to someone? Has anyone said it to you? Have you ever said it? And what if she's right? Um, my gut is yes, it's okay to say to a person. Mm-hmm. Because by what standard? Like Nazis won't come out and murder you for saying it? Yeah, just that if the, 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 I would look at what was her motivation behind saying that. She said she thought she was the best I could yeah. ever do. I mean, I think it, it look, nine sixteenths, bottom line, it says way more about her than it she says about you. She felt undervalued by yeah. him. That's sure. what she's saying. Okay. She's like, 
I sacrificed so much for you mm. and I could be with a better partner, but you couldn't and you don't appreciate me. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that I'm going to express that. Trying is that create... hurtful? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay to hurt sometimes. Yeah. It's probably not the most mature way to express this. Yeah. Or the best way for your message yeah. to be received clearly. But maybe it felt really good to her in the moment to yeah. say it like that. And I think that we can spend another minute like empathizing with him about like, yeah, of course it would be better if she hadn't articulated that idea. And I don't think that her articulation of that idea is any indication that it's true um, and that she's right. I think it's playing on, you know, an insecurity that she has and an insecurity that you have. Oh, yeah. That you, you know, oh, well, well you better like come back to me because you're not going to do better yeah. than this. You, she's wrong. She stuck that idea in your head so that you would play into it. She has no way of knowing that of she's the best you could ever do. Yeah. Or even really perfectly understand your criteria, criteria for evaluating what is good in a yeah. partner. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know where you're headed. You're younger than her as well. That's oh, you have yeah. more time in your life to develop and change yeah. your preferences and also your attractive qualities. Mm-hmm. You could always do better. Maybe not better for the you of the past. Mm-hmm. Or, but but yeah, don't don't buy into she's not that right. garbage. Yeah. Um, have I ever heard it or said it before? No. <laughs> I've heard people say that they haven't said it to me. Um, I've never said it. Right, right. I guess I meant like in my personal experience. Um, And so my ultimate advice is like, don't let it drag you down. Don't let it be like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you have so much time ahead of you and you will date so many other people. And there will be a time in the future, even though right now that feels like really raw and hurtful where you're like, wow, I can't believe I even entertained that idea. Yeah. And my, uh, my alternate advice is feel the pain for this for yeah. as long as you want to. Yeah. And then do some, when you're ready to stop, do some examination, like we just said, of where this is coming from in her. Yeah. And um, try to transmute this into pity or compassion for her that, oh man, she must've been in a lot of pain for, to have said that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Nine sixteenths. I need help 168. I need help 168, all right? My brother has an addiction to Minecraft. Mm, This is serious. So just, you know, so Um, so you know, Rob. Um, This is serious. He is 15 years old and about to drop out of high school because he can't stop playing the damn game. I know it's good. (laughs) Seems like a funny thing to say. I know it's good, but the addiction (laughs) has gotten to a point where he doesn't even want to come out of his room. We've tried talking, but he will just scream at us. Yesterday, he screamed some really insensitive stuff at my mom and made her cry. And no, he doesn't have any mental disorders. Can I get some advice on what to do? Yeah, look for the ways your brother is feeling disconnected from the people around him and mm. listen to him about that. Mm. I think this is tough. I, I totally agree with you, but I think it's definitely tough to listen to someone whose primary output is like so angry and hurtful. Like you said, like he screamed at you guys, screamed at the mom. Um, and so it's like he has these really big, tall, pointy walls put up around himself right now. Um but I do think that as long as you're not hurting yourselves, that's, you know, trying to connect to him in spite of that and just demonstrating, like, we're here for you is the best you can do. I mean, in terms of tactical solutions, um, this is a tough one because, you know, behavioral addictions are a little less cut and dry than, you know, substance abuse where, you know, the... the sobriety is a little more nebulous with this. I mean, I think that taking away the game 
is at this stage probably an appropriate intervention given how much it's taken over in his life. Um, but you are going to deal with a lot of anger and fallout from that probably. And so knowing how to pick up and fill in the space that that will leave is important and being sensitive to the fact that, yeah, he's going to be angry and he's going to say hurtful shit and it doesn't really have much to do with you. It's like going to, when an addict's like using and the substance gets taken away, like they are just looking for desperately like any way of trying to kind of poke you and invoke in you that the the sense that they have, which is just like completely out of control Mm -hmm. and in pain. Yes. I think that's if they get angry and that hurts, try to focus on their pain that is motivating that. And it will be easier to overcome the hurt that you feel from the anger. Um, In this case, I would consider asking to play Minecraft with them and then relating to them in game. Yeah. And um, if that puts them in a more comfortable state where they're Mm -hmm. happier or even just more expressive, less shut down than you could have those conversations while you're playing. Yeah. Um, do they have friends in Minecraft? The people that they are relating to in, in the game, that could be an important relationship for them. And maybe you could join that. Mm-hmm. Um, being patient is important in this. And uh, yeah, not if, if they do express anger or any kind of hurt or dissatisfaction, um, don't turn it around and tell them that they're ungrateful or that they have no right to feel that way. Mm. Um, that will probably push them farther into the Minecraft. Um, even if it sounds ridiculous to you and they're say that they're upset about not having their crust cut off their sandwich at 15 by their mom or something like that. Um, if they say that, then say, okay, I'm, I'm just reflect it back to them without judgment of it or that they should be a different way. They're probably going to focus on things that seem minute at the beginning in order to uh, work their way up to the truth of what's actually hurting them. Mm, Yeah. And it's, that's a, that's a long, hard journey to (laughs) arrive at the truth from the state that you're in when you're like wrapped up in an addiction. The other thing I want to say that the question alludes to is, um, and no, he doesn't have any mental disorders. Um, it's it's a it seems to me to be sort of an arbitrary line to draw to say like this person who has a behavioral addiction doesn't have any sort of pre-existing mental illness um, because you know addiction is often goes hand in hand with a lot of other underlying issues and so I just think that the reason I say that is. I just want to point out that there's the implication of of um, dismissing yeah. the interconnectivity of these problems. Right. And I want you, uh, I need help, to encourage yourself and the other people that you're surrounding your brother with and your brother himself to look at sort of like the bigger picture and having empathy for each piece of what that might be and how, however it's manifesting. Like it mm-hmm. might be an addiction or it might be reacting with anger suddenly or having a tantrum. Yeah. Uh, Isolation, Mm -hmm. self-harm, disengagement, depression. It could be any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I trust that the person asking us this is equipped 
to help this person some. Um, mm-hmm. They may not have all the tools, in which case, if they get to the point where they feel like they can't help anymore, it would be best to um, seek the help of a mental health professional yeah. in helping their brother. Um, but I think that they can do a lot of this accepting and listening work because they clearly care enough to ask this question yes. and they're, they're seeking help with it. So they're on the right path. And I think that also this, uh, your brother being 15 is still a very like flexible age. He's still developing his ideas and patterns about like, how does my family treat me and how does my family regard this part of me that I'm dealing with right now? Like there's the window is still very much open for him to see you as someone who is compassionate to his struggle and open-minded and, and willing to work with him on it. Um, the other, the other thing I would point to too, is like an addict in an addict mindset. Also, there's a very black and white kind of way of thinking. And so the more that you can help him to see himself holistically and, um, you know, feel into the gray area rather than being like, this behavior is good, this behavior is bad. Um, overall is an, is an important sort of mindset to encourage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Good work. All right. So the next question, <laughs> um, this comes from a male um, and his username is howdy y'all 69. Great. And appropriately he asks how to trim pubes question mark. Uh, okay. Uh huh. I'm in 10th grade and I'm unsure on how uh-huh. to trim down there and need info on how to do it before I start. It does get itchy, and I'm also started to get sexually active. How long to trim? Shave it all off? Question mark. All right. Um, I advise against shaving because you'll get razor bumps or marks or irritation a lot easier that way. If you shave, go with the grain of the hair. Yes. Rather than, oh, uh, and against. use plenty of hot water first to soap. open up your skin. <laughs> this is what soap is for. <laughs> Use soap before shaving. Don't don't Do shave with soap as your lubricant. Use a shaving cream just to clarify. Oh. So if oh, you're going to go the okay. shaving route, first soak in hot water or a hot wet towel yeah. for a couple minutes. Get things nice and warm um, and then wash with soap and rinse off all the soap and then apply shaving cream and then apply gentle pressure with the razor in the direction of the grain and move slowly. Wow. Um, don't press too hard, though. Like okay. It can be just a light pull across the skin. So for a 10th grader, though, to shave seems perhaps maybe too extreme. Like this may not be the style he's looking for. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to advise just using a buzzer um, mm-hmm. with the uh, built-in guard extended to whatever that is. It's like a quarter of an inch or something. Yeah. Um, and just trim with that. If you don't want to have a, a unwieldy bush, this will take care of that completely. Yeah. Um, you can put a pattern in, you know, if you want to leave Lightning some of bolt. it. Yeah, whatever you want. A little Hitler mustache. Whatever looks good for you. Um, just do that. And it's going to cause a lot less irritation. You're still going to get the optical enhancement of it looking like, this is a male, of having, uh, looking like it's a bigger dick because it's not um, shrouded in the bushes. And, um, yeah, good luck. I mean, if you make a mistake, just don't keep doing it to yourself. Like if you shave in a way that it really irritates you or. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to abandon the track once you've started. Yeah. Um, well, so for you, you're yeah. Rob is a strapping young man you. in touch with like being sexually active. Sure. What is your, what it. is your ideal situation? What's my ideal what is, situation? Or what is your, what is your current 
not like current situation like what right now look like? what do you aspire for your pubes to look like what do you go for what's your strategy mm. um i keep it uh like a natural but tamed so i don't do anything crazy design wise <laughs> i just i just reduce the length of everything pretty uniformly yeah and um I have a bit of a V cut in my abdomen that I try to accentuate by following those lines um, in uh, like in a V. Uh huh. Um, so you you have two different lengths. I do. That you go for. Well, yes. I uh, I leave about a half of an inch or so. I don't press the buzzer to my skin on the main patch of yeah, hair. Right. And then um, down the sides on my thighs more. I bring the guard back and I press it to my skin and then those are much shorter hairs and yeah. that creates the impression of um, like less dense hair in that yeah. area. So it makes kind uh -huh. of an uh, upside down triangle or Interesting. trapezoid. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so the female perspective on mm -hmm. this, um, which, you know, would, would theoretically be the recipient of this decision, mm -hmm. um, personally, I don't want a guy to do a whole lot of you know, fuss about it. Um, I get the idea of the like extra visual inch, hooray. Um, but to me, and I guess I don't know what 10th graders are doing these days. Maybe they're all fucking bald as babies down there because they think they have to be like porn stars more so than like mm -hmm. I feel pressured to be. Um, but I would say sort of like less is more, not in terms of like hair remaining, but in terms of like, do do a process that's simple for you yeah. and feels you know natural and and isn't so like intense. You don't want to take your pants off and have a girl wonder like I wonder how long it took him to achieve that. Is sort of what I would advise. That is that is Morgan's perspective. Yes. Totally, there are women who like men that have more of a made up, mm -hmm. you know squeezed totally. eyebrows and have like put in the same effort that a woman yeah. often does yeah. in our culture to perfect i'm using that in air quotes yeah um their styling and yeah. tweezed every little nose hair and things like that but totally and i mean for the record like i am someone who you know tries to do minimal but like striving for less and less but like i curate my pubic hair situation so like i'm speaking you care from to, a perspective to tell of, us since i've shared sure um I want to finish my thought okay, though. So it's like, I, I recognize still and fall victim to quote unquote, the double standard of like expectations, my expectations that are culturally formed for men and my expectations mm -hmm. that are culturally formed for women. Like the girls are supposed to do a lot of work on their bodies. And mm -hmm. if a man does it, it's vain, bad. It's like girly. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so I do a pretty like simple, not super skinny landing strip. I like there to be some hair there because I was self-conscious as um, when I was younger about like developing later and being skinnier and having sort of a um, <laughs> like prepubescent body. Yeah. <laughs> so anytime I've ever experimented with like shaving everything off, I have felt so, you know, redundantly mm -hmm. naked. Um, and I just feel like a little child. Um, so I like to have something there that's just like, yep, this is not a child that you're having sex with. Although I'm sure that there are some guys that I have sex with that would wish me to be a child. Um, you mostly hook up with pedophiles, right? I mostly hook up with pedophiles <laughs> um, if I can help it. But every once in a while, someone sneaks it's in. It's right there, there in your Tinder profile. Yes. Pedos only. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I have a young face. 
Uh, so, oh, sure. you know, it's I tracked what I tracked. <laughs> um, but I, I haven't gotten that much negative feedback from partners about anything that I've done. And, and times when I've been self-conscious about For- not being as groomed as I'd like to be. They don't give two fucking shits. For anyone not watching a video of this podcast. Which no one is because there's no video being captured. For anyone not watching the video right now, uh, Morgan would not be easily mistaken for a prepubescent (laughs) girl. It's clear that this is a mature woman. (laughs) Yes. It's clear that this is someone who has developed and reached sexual maturity. So the humor of this uh, may partly be lost over audio, but (laughs) she does not appear to be a single digit aged girl. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Double digits all the way until triple digits. Then I'm really going to be in my sexual You're into triple digits? Right now? (laughs) I was making a sex joke. Um, Anyway, so uh, (laughs) look, you know what? Think about who are you as a person and what style do do you want your pubes to embody? Yeah. You know, like, what do you, what do you do with your hair? Like, are you going for something sort of like casual laid back or are you like super trim, super like sleek? you know, how much care do you take care of the hair on your head? And so like, what would be in alignment with the kind of person that you see yourself as? I'll, uh, I'll just, uh, I agree with that completely. Cool. And, um, this person has 69 in their username. Yeah. So they're probably interested in <laughs> some oral sex. That's a great point. So I just, I just want to make, uh, anyone is allowed to do whatever the fuck they want with their pubes. Oh my God. A million percent. Unless like, it's like infect them in order to like infect the larger population. Right. Or if you're getting a surgery, you have to have area shaved. I've had that happen. To oh. Me. Um, uh-huh. but uh, in everyday life, yeah. anyone can do whatever they want to style themselves and yes. shouldn't be shamed for it. Um, if you're having oral sex and a person has a particularly large amount of, uh, shedding pubes, it can just become a practical, uh, yeah. obstacle. So yeah. if you're really interested in it, I'd, um, number one is just, um, to like, pull and comb in some way with your hands in the shower to make sure that you don't have lots of loose hairs, um, that would mm-hmm. be getting in a person's mouth and interrupting the flow of things. And, uh, <laughs> pubes are real flow interrupters. They are. They are. And the second thing, no one wants to see a straight pube. Exactly. Especially in their food. Uh, the second thing <laughs> is if you have just trimmed or used a buzzer, then just wash and wipe extra more, like more times than you think you need to, to get out any strays or hairs that would have been loosened by that process and could come loose. Um, and when you look down at yourself, yeah. does it look like a situation you want near your face to put in your mouth? Do that gut check. In, in their own personal mouth? Because they may I'm not. I'm just kind of fucking around. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. um, but, you yeah. know, it's uh, one method of mm-hmm. testing. Yes. Would this be good enough for my partner? Is it good enough for me? Mm-hmm. Would I want to put that in my mouth? Yeah. If you put your dick in a bottle of Gatorade to sweeten it, what are you going to do with that Gatorade afterwards? Um, first of all, I really wouldn't recommend doing that because it's like the sh- <laughs> the interaction of like the sugar and the pee hole. I can't imagine that would be good. And this is a 32 ounce bottle of Gatorade. Are you just going to waste all that Gatorade <laughs> or are you going to drink it? Feels like a lose-lose situation to me. Um, all right, good. You learn from knew, our mistakes. <laughs> if, I, if I knew offhand what the slogan for Gatorade was, I'm sure there's a great joke there, but I don't know what it is. Uh, is it in you? Perfect. I'm sorry that I laughed so loud into the microphone. That's okay. We don't need to talk about Morgan's it. Morgan's a quarter We're witch. 
and half Italian. She can barely hover on a broomstick. <laughs> Her toes just leave the ground. <laughs> My hat's not that pointy. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. The next question in the lightning round, which will close the lightning round. Ooh. Oh, right? Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Stormwatch. Stormwatch. Seems, seems like <laughs> forecast says clear skies in about 10 minutes. Okay. This one comes to us from Cyclone619Y2J. Y2J, not Y2K, okay. Um, My parents are telling me to just settle with any career rather than working towards something better. I'm 26. I want to get a fulfilling career. My parents are telling me to forget it and just do a simple job so I can pay the bills. Should I listen to them? Is it more important for me to simply get a job so I can pay the bills and live independently? Or should I work towards something better in the long run? Um, Okay, I relate a lot to the... Situation they're in, but not their parents' reaction. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I'm thankful that my parents have been very supportive of mm-hmm. my pie in the sky or uh, unreliable <laughs> <laughs> career ideas. Um, <laughs> I would advocate, and, and and I'm thankfully I'm very financially privileged to have mm-hmm. a, a safety net or backup if I couldn't pay rent for a month. Um, uh, to the point where I feel guilt saying those things on on air. Um, I would recommend that you figure out a short-term solution that allows you to work towards long-term goals of your career. So if you can find a job that will support you in the meantime, um, Mm -hmm. something that's uh, shift-based, this is what a a lot of actors in Los Angeles will get a job as a waiter or a bartender so that they can pursue their dream of being an actor, but they don't need to count on acting to give them money while they're building a base of connections and a portfolio. They can have a flexible schedule. And so I don't know what your career ambition is, but if you can find a complimentary short-term money-making solution, um, I would recommend doing that. And ideally make that short-term solution something that also has uh, opportunity for growth in it in case you're in that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's my advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I just want to add a couple of things to it. Um, The first being that you can also make it something where you meet people. So you feel Mm -hmm. like you're, um, you can kind of network and and see what other people are doing with their lives. And um, because sometimes when you end up taking a job that's temporary, it, it can be, it can align with that sense of sort of stagnation or it not leading to anything. Um, and if you're meeting new people and you have a continual sort of influx of, oh, it's interesting what this person is doing, um, you know, kind of energy, like something like a Lyft driver, an Uber driver, um, a Starbucks uh, cashier, what what is it, barista, mm-hmm. whatever, um, you know, <laughs> something in that arena where you know, people are constantly coming in and out and you get exposed to new energy and it's not as like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, could be another way of, of adding a, um, you know, potential bonus to something that you see as kind of otherwise like, well, this isn't really helping me accomplish my longer term goals. Um, the other thing I would say is there is a middle ground between, you know, like Rob said, the, a middle ground between, uh, just having a job that pays the bills and um, or just having a job that is your passion. So one thing, if your parents are amenable to it that you could do is work with them to come up with a timeline of like budgeting and a time frame for when your the career that would be your more passionate kind of fulfilling career would realistically pan out and pay out so that they feel like, okay, there's some structure to this period where um, 
I don't know, so your son or daughter is um, working towards their goal and not just kind of like aimlessly hoping it falls in their lap, but has uh, a guideline for, you know, when they see that period ending Mm -hmm. and when they're going to be able to stand alone. And then if that period runs out and you haven't been able to procure something that is fulfilling and, you know, money-making, then it's on you to provide the financial support for yourself. So that's just one idea of how you could approach that conversation with your parents as well. Yes. Good advice. Um, Cool beans. I I gave it to a client recently. So, all right. That concludes our lightning round. The sound of sunshine (laughs) reemerging from behind the clouds. Yes, exactly. I can't make it with my mouth, but we'd all recognize it if we heard it. Yeah. (laughs) How's that? It's way better than I could have done. <laughs> I needed that today. Like it. <laughs> um, all right. So our main question today, which, Ooh. yeah, I, I allowed us to get into some meat within the lightning round because I think that this one could, um, you know, be interesting discussion, but also we don't have to be in it for so, so long. So there aren't so many details. Um, that was great, by the way. I like the way this has been set up so far. Yeah. You liked doing mm-hmm. the lightning round first? Mm-hmm. I kind of did too. Um, it helped lift me out of that shithole I was referring to earlier that I was in. Um, but anyway, so the reason I chose this question is because it's something that I've encountered a lot and I am just selfishly, personally, so curious about it. Okay. So I'm very excited for I'm feedback. I'm stuck to hear it. Yeah. Okay. So this one comes to us from lovely, lovely, woe, as in W-O-E, sadness, woe, boo-hoo, woe. Not like a friend. What? Uh, I just learned That's recently that when, when Drake says running through the six with my woes, he's not talking about his sadnesses. He's talking really? about his friends. Yeah. His really? buddies, his guys, his dogs. <laughs> that seems like it would be confusing. I know. It is. <laughs> it sounded a lot to me. I loved the original impression yeah. I got of the lyrics that he was making a song that sounds like that. And he was talking about his woes. <laughs> Like, woe is me. But no, that's not what he's talking about. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that I was thinking, woe, like, woe there, like you would to a horse, oh, you know, something no, like that. W-O-E. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, why is it that every time I text this guy, he's always talking about himself? It's gotten to the point where I don't even want to reply because he doesn't seem to care about anything in my life. But I'm curious as to why guys do this. Are they trying to be impressive and convey a cool life? Or is it just narcissism? <laughs> I love this person. I already know 100% he likes me because he told me. So why isn't he trying to get to know me? Why is he always talking about himself? Seriously, every time I bring the conversation about me, he reverts it back to him or his family or his day or anything of his. Advice? Question mark. Um, He's probably inexperienced and doesn't know how. Okay, so that's it. We're done? (laughs) You don't like it when I say a sentence and stop. You want me to linger and ramble? (laughs) Maybe because i that's what I do. That's my approach. I think it's right. Linger, linger, ramble, ramble, never really arrive at a point. Yeah. Be self-conscious the whole time that you're not finding the right words. It's it's good to use silence. You've made a point and you want to just let it sit. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's what I was doing there. So you're proposing a different alternative, which is inexperience. He, uh, either way, he probably just does not yet know the value of seeking information about a person that he likes. If, if you're correct that he is into you, yeah, 
then um, he's probably more concerned with the way that you view him than what he'd like to know about you. He's like made his mind up on you. And that could mean that he's not really seeing you as you are, but he's seeing a projection that he's uh, painting on your canvas. Um, which all of love, I think, does some of that. And that can't be completely avoided, but he may be doing it to a degree that you find undesirable. Yeah. And I don't think that we should throw out the, is he a narcissist path? Um, sure. I don't know too much about narcissism. <laughs> Maybe you could give a better explanation of that sure. and how she would tell if he is or what sure. that uh, means if Entails he is. and what it mm -hmm. means. Yes. Um, I am becoming somewhat of an amateur expert, which is sort of an oxymoron, on narcissism. And so there's kind of two operating ideas of narcissism, right? So there's like narcissism in the way that we use it most often conversationally, which means basically like selfish, self-absorbed, self-involved um, into themselves, like excessively into oneself and not paying as much attention to what's around them. And then there's sort of the like more of the uh, psychology uh, textbooky kind of definition of narcissism, okay. which is related to that and often shows up appearing that way. But it's more of a developmental arrest that makes someone not really properly shed childlike egocentrism, which mm. means just like they see the world as oriented around them. You know, it's like, it's like when like, you know, ancient China literally thought that like everything orbited around them just yeah. because they didn't have more information to go on and understand that the, the solar system is the way that it is. Like, no, Earth is one planet. We all orbit around the sun. So to give an example, if I walked in yeah. today and was upset that, say that you were feeling low energy because you had just been fired from a job or mm -hmm. you had just been broken up with or something. Sure. And all I saw was, how could she ruin this podcast for me when we were gonna have a high energy fun day why is she doing this to me? Totally. And I'm not at all empathizing yes. with your situation. It's a very narcissistic framework because okay. yes, it, it assumes that the thing that's going on with me is about you. Yeah. And it assumes that uh, everyone's focus should be about the thing that yes. you're focused on. Yeah. So that's a great example. Um, so I do think that certain situations, certain contexts, certain um, emotional states can bring out more narcissistic or tendencies that appear narcissistic in different okay. people for different reasons. Um, Do you think this situation? I think it could. New be. love could. I think it could be. Uh, I certainly do. How would that work? Yeah. So I have had a few situations, and I think also this has a gender. There's a there's a gender relationship here, mm. which is another reason I wanted to dive into this okay. specifically, because I think that women, myself included, often expect and want to kind of be pursued, to be understood, to be, um, you know, asked about. And, and that's a primary way for like men to show interest in us. Um, and also to, uh, remove the hanging question of like, is he interested in anything about me other than like sex or, you know, some the orgasm that he could use me to get. Sure. Right. So it's like needing me to be like, I, I wouldn't want to be with someone who wasn't appreciating the much larger package of who I am. Um, and so, I mean, it's great that he's already like, whatever, I like you. So that's it. Check in that box. But at some point, the relationship is going to have existed for enough time that another layer of unwrapping is going to be involved. 
And I think we want to deeply be seen. And so the fact that someone is not trying to do that, regardless of the reason, is pretty disconcerting. Um, And maybe some people that's not a priority to, but clearly that's not this person. And it's like, are let's it seems like this person has already identified that it's a pattern. It's not like, okay, try a few more times and and see if it develops into a pattern. It seems like it's already a pattern. Like every time I text him and she's already doing the testing of like, I try to talk about me. He brings it back to him. Um, So there are a couple of different, like, I mean, obviously you can just be like, you know what? This person is not what I'm looking for. We're not a good match. Um, I deserve someone or want someone who is more attuned to what's going on with me and and there's a more even exchange of information um i wouldn't start with that step but i agree it's an option right so so that's one option is just be is disengaging from the relationship now that we've laid that option out there let's focus on what can we do within the relationship assuming we want to keep sure pursuing it um i think you express this observation that you've had yeah you totally. tell him the feelings that are associated with it and then you tell him that you think you have a, a need to be understood or feel like there's somebody who's curious about knowing more about you. And so then make the request. Could you, in some of these situations, um, ask me more questions mm-hmm. about parts of it to, that show that you're interested in me and not talk about yourself in those moments? Yeah. Um, I think that's great. Because, yes, you've already done the testing of, like, okay, this is a pattern. I'm not making this up. So the only way, really, to nip it in the bud is to confront him with it. Um, See how he responds. I think it's important to note some people think asking questions is rude. Mm -hmm. And he could be someone who's who's like, well-intentioned. And maybe he does want to know things, but he's worried that it'll be like an interview. Maybe he heard that. That sometimes, like oh yeah, people don't like being bombarded with questions and he could be mm-hmm. overcompensating for that. Mm-hmm. So that's why yeah. open communication is the best policy in most situations like this where something annoys you about a person because they could be well-intentioned and think that they're doing the thing that serves you best. And so you just ask them for the thing that serves you better. And often there's no uh, resistance to that. They're happy to hear that information. Yeah. And it sounds like you're already kind of, which I would be too, and and am in the situations where I'm experiencing the same thing, already kind of like frustrated by the premise that he's not meeting this need. And so it's hard not to start that conversation with a sense of like, fuck you, are you a narcissist? Mm -hmm. But as best as you can, try to express what Rob said and and bring it to his attention, like neutrally with the, um, the energy of like, probably he's not trying to ignore me or being malicious or a narcissist fundamentally. Um, but you know, it's okay to be annoyed with that because realistically there should every, we should all be striving for more balance Yes, and we can't all always be aware of, um, where there isn't balance. So the ways that you can friendly point it out to him, um, I think that he would probably appreciate it. And if he doesn't, then ding, 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 he's defensive about it and gets maybe too emotional and you realize, whoa, this is a hornet's nest and this person isn't going to be able to meet my needs because there are big emotional obstacles in the way and this person needs to take up more space than I'm willing to give them. They um, have a lot of attachment to taking up that space and it's not going to work for you. It's okay. Yeah, but not at this moment on their journey. They may change into a person who is more compatible with you later, but... 
for now. Yeah, you might decide that this doesn't work. Uh, I'd like to, um, if you, I'll tell you what I want to say. Yeah. And if you have something more focused on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested in exploring uh, charisma in general and the mistakes mm. people make in trying to get others to like them. So this would be kind of more advice for the guy in this okay. situation who's not typing the question. Yeah. So it, what I was going to say is related to this because the other part of the question that I don't want to ignore is why do guys do this? Are they trying to be impressive and be cool? Yeah. So same thing. Um, okay. Let's yeah. Go I want to answer those questions. Let's go I there. forgot they were asked. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in trying to get others to like them is they try to impress them and convince other people that they are in. It, um, the mistake would be, I want Morgan to like me, so I'm going to convince Morgan that I'm interesting. Right. I should be, if I want Morgan to like me, convincing Morgan that she is interesting. That is the person yes. that she would want to go on a second date with. Would you rather go on a second date with the most mm-hmm. interesting person that you have ever had a conversation with or the person who made you feel like you were the most interesting person that they've ever had a conversation with? Now, there's some balancing in dating and finding a mate and you don't want someone that's like so far below you that mm-hmm. everything you say sounds so profound to them. Right. But if they casually um, just make if they open you up to seeing the good side of yourself and you're a person who has a belief that you are worthy and that you're um you're inherently good or lovable that's an important caveat because people who have a very negative self-image will not be comfortable around people who view them this way long term Um, i think in the in the immediate term they can potentially seem super flattered by the way that you're showing them attention yes but then they might actually be threatened by the truths that you're trying to the deeper truths about them that you're trying to unfold which is that they're worthy and lovable and they'll them disagreeing with you will um cause them to see you as crazy or needy or like in some way just wrong because they believe so firmly that they're bad yeah um anyway this is from a book um called the charisma myth um about the difference between, I believe, two presidential candidates. I can't remember the particulars, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. one of them, um, this interviewer said, was like, this person seems like the most interesting person that I've ever interviewed. And the other person made me feel like I was the most interesting interviewer that could be talking to them at the moment. And wow. I much preferred the experience of talking to the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the three components of charisma, according to this book, are warmth, power, and presence. So the scenario I was mm. describing about um, hanging on their every word and that being unattractive to a person could mean just a, a lack of power. So that's one important component is you have to yeah. first have the impression that you have something that you could help them if you wanted to. And then warmth is that you would want to help them. And then presence is that you are with them enough to understand how you would help them, like that you're seeing yeah. them enough. Yeah. So the big... Um, hit to everybody's charisma in the last decade has been the phones that <laughs> has reduced all of our presence in social more than anything else in medicine <laughs> bigger than even germ theory is is uh, phone invasion <laughs> yes. i just take issue with like all generalizations even though i make them so that's why i'm like continually like poking at this idea and now rob's coughing are you are you done coughing i'll let you go back to your thing Give me shit for coughing. No, no, no. I just, I was like, well, I'll just keep saying my point if you're coughing anyway. Okay. No, first story is overgeneralizing. No, he's fucking coughing. <laughs> Listen, guys, do you want to just go into my spinoff podcast, Morgan Beard's Free Advice? Okay, I'll see you guys on Thursday. <laughs> 
no, okay. no, definitely not. That's not what I was, you said. I miss, no, I miss it's her funny you. because I, <laughs> it was, I was just thinking like 30 seconds ago, like, good Lord, Rob is carrying this and I'm doing nothing. Uh. <laughs> like, and I, I'm worried about it becoming a general pattern where I'm like becoming like, I, in general in my life where I become dumber and dumber and can't recall anything and can offer no one anything. And I'm just sitting here like taking up air. Um, but you know, that's me. All. And when I bring that to a conversation, when I bring that energy to a conversation, I know that I'm not having charisma at all. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm just being merely a succubus for other people's charisma and I'm not bringing the best of myself to the table, but it seems like the failing that, you know, this guy has who's not asking about you is he's trying to fake the power by impressing you with like things about him or like telling you things about him that mm. will theoretically make you conclude, oh, he's this type of person or that type of person when really what he should be doing is just embodying that power and demonstrating that he is the guy who listens, takes care of you, is generally impressive just in the way that he shows up. And then that brings us to like the second thing that he's not doing is he's not present with you attuning to like what are her needs in this situation. He's anticipating them without actually reading them. Um, and yes. I think the phone the phone um, is a big problem in this particular. It's hard to be present with someone digitally. The uh, quote or adage that's coming to mind as you talk about power for me is um, that uh, true power need not announce itself. Like, mm -hmm. Other people will do that for you or yeah. you're just where you're positioned in an organization or in the world, you don't have to tell people that you have power. If you do, they'll right. figure it out from other things. And that, that right. frees you up to then be present with them and stop focusing on the impression yeah. that you're making as well. The other thing about being present with somebody is when you are focused on them and asking them questions about their life, that's so much less work for you. Yeah. And it's so much more likely to pay off in terms of how they will th feel about you. Mm -hmm. um, but you wanted to make a larger point about phones. Um, oh. and I, I want to um, give you that thank you. forum back because I think it's important. Um, the presence is one of the three essential components yes. of charisma <laughs> and it's the, the phone that is constantly at each of our, uh, disposal nipping at our, uh, the heels of our attention mm -hmm. is, uh, distracting us in a way that makes everyday interactions with strangers or acquaintances or even loved ones, uh, much less charismatic and present just because yeah. you, eye contact uh, says a lot. And if a person is checking their phone while you're giving the answer to their question, it does not communicate to them that you, um, what's the, what, how did I explain presence that you see them well enough to help them and are able to, that's the warmth mm -hmm. and power parts. Yeah. I think as someone who frequently struggles with, um, maintaining enough presence when one thing is going on, I, I feel like the well, actually to bring it back to the sort of addiction topic of before, for me, I find myself compulsively without intention um, in like a conversation or something like this where I should be when Rob is talking to me and telling me his point of view on this, I should be I want to be I strive to be listening to him fully and being present with what he's saying and not allowing my mind to shoot off in a ton of other directions, whether it be something that I label as productive, like trying to come up with what I'm going to say mm -hmm. or thinking back to the question and wondering, oh, what's the structure of this? Or, you know, how, what's the tone of the podcast? What else do I need to bring? Blah, 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 blah. And like compulsively, I, I 
go into those pockets and I have to really actively bring myself back into trying to be 100% within the moment as it is. But I think that what causes that on sort of an unconscious level, that that external seeking is like a deeper, more ever-present dissatisfaction with feeling like the moment itself is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have such a culture right now of like do more, multitask more, be this kind of person, that kind of person, occupy all these different roles, maintain all these different relationships at all these different levels and and do this job and that job, have have the career for passion, have the career for money, do this these recreational activities, have these friends. And it's more and more and more and more things to load our brains with. And then when we have a moment where we have the opportunity, I mean, which any moment is, to drop into like full presence with ourselves and with what's unfolding around us, it's extremely difficult not to compulsively search Mm -hmm. for and pull Mm -hmm. in those extra things to like fill out the 10% of like your attention that wants to tell you like what I'm doing right now isn't enough. You should be also. Yes. It's like uh, being on a treadmill for two hours and when you step off and you try to keep your legs still, they want to keep moving yeah. like that. Like, oh, the ground's still moving, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like making that mistake of falling into the illusion that if I were doing something else simultaneously, I would be getting a better outcome. I'd mm-hmm. be enjoying the moment more. Um, I'd be more fulfilled, more sustained, happier. W- yeah. One source of happiness plus another equals two that like, Texting while watching this movie means I get all the fun of texting and all the fun of the movie. Yeah. And that's a fallacy. You know what I find when I do that? What? Texting isn't fun and I'm not watching the movie at all. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and my brain hurts because there's just so much screen information in front of me that I'm rapidly switching between. And yeah, the, the studies show that like multitasking, we think we can multitask so well. And even as I'm reporting the statistic, I'm like, fuck the statistic. I can multitask so Mm. well. Um, but like we, the process that our brains undergo to switch gears between doing different doing different things is so energetically costly mm-hmm. that it completely like, you know, yeah. it, it invalidates the argument for trying to multitask and exhausts us. And then our experience of trying to do both of those things is, you know, like revving an engine and not going anywhere. Yes. Even if we do get two things done sort of half acidly. Um, it sucks and it like hurts. You can feel the brain, your brain like grinding its gears in there, just being like, yes. with all this competing information. Yeah. <sighs> I'm exhausted, but that felt good to articulate. Yeah. Good job. Hey, I thanks. think that was good for you to say. Me too. Yeah. I can see your body language change after that. Well, cause it's such a live struggle that I'm going with right now with all this mm-hmm. stuff that I was telling you about that's bringing me into the fog of like having to focus on this podcast with 90,000 other things like zipping around my brain. And it's like doing the work of convincing myself that those 90,000 other things are going to continue to be there while I'm recording and are not, it's not going to help me to devote five to 10% of my energy to worrying about the fact that they still exist and will always interchangeably to some extent exist in my life. And so it's like show up, a hundred percent in the thing you're doing as often as you possibly can. I mean, obviously there are times that you can't, but when it is in your control, recognizing it and clocking in more and more often, it reminds me of this, um, 
uh, lucid dreaming technique, this technique oh. for induced, inducing lucid I dreaming. I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah. So I used to, in high school, want to like try to, you know, waken up, wake up into my dreams and be able to control them mm-hmm. because I was so dissatisfied with my life, as I said, at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would practice these different techniques throughout the day where basically I would just, every time I remembered to do it, I would do the following. I would pinch myself. That's one of the things that you can do. Look at your hands is another thing that you can do. And then a third thing is look up at the clock, notice what time it is, look away from the clock and look back at the clock and see if the time is the same or different. And so the theory is that- It should be different, right? No, it should be the same. (laughs) If it's a broken clock. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but so in a dream, your brain just registers, that's a clock there. And then when you look back at it, it's like, that's a clock, but it just conjures like another image of a clock. So it'll be like a completely different time. You Unless know, your not, dream not gets lucky that. and it just happened to <laughs> roll the dice at the same clock twice. <laughs> lucky dream fooling me. <laughs> um, but so the idea is that if in waking life yeah. you are instilling in yourself that pattern of consciousness where randomly you remember, oh, let me check in and do this thing, that that will happen in your dream. Mm-hmm. And when you do any of those three things in your dream, it's supposed to kind of trigger the knowledge that you're dreaming for one reason or another. Um, And so instilling a practice of like mindfulness or increased presence and consciousness throughout anything that you're doing during your waking life um, is kind of the same. It's like every time you remember, let me check in with myself. Am I being 100% present right now? Um, The more you do that, the better. And that's how it works. It's not like you suddenly are like this fucking Mm. guru sitting there with your legs crossed, levitating a foot off the ground all of a sudden. It's a hard process. um, And it takes a lot of reminding yourself and celebrating the little victories like every time you remember to be conscious instead of punishing yourself for not being conscious. Did any of that make sense? I think you're describing a mindfulness meditation. Yeah, just living mindfully. A practice, not something that you've attained, but it's something that you can do more or less often. And that's what uh, building in like 10 minutes of meditating every morning is meant to uh, do is to get a person to just get into the practice of noticing their thoughts, noticing their their internal state throughout the day more often and not identifying with it, but recognizing it as something that can be pursued or let go um, instead of it just being them. Right, right. Um, And so, you know, when uh, lovely, lovely, whoa, uh, checks in with this dude, um, remembering to kind of encourage him that like, this is a practice. It's not, you're doing all these things wrong by not Mm -hmm. remembering when you're being kind of self-involved by talking about yourself so much. It's like, oh, okay. So let me check in with myself and evaluate. Does it feel like it's time to ask uh, my sweetheart here, lovely, lovely, whoa, about herself, like, let me evaluate and not getting too stuck on, well, shit, I fucked up. Yeah. Cause that's a trap. That's a, yes. that's a trap we all fall into where you want to beat yourself up first, thinking that that's going to help you not make the mistake again, but right. it doesn't, it just makes you wallow and then you're more bummed out and then you're more sort of self-involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> Good work. Yeah. Strong sigh. The lessons we're all learning self-compassion over and over and over and over and compassion for others over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And responding to 
the ways that people tell you how they'd like to be loved. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I'd like to say that pretty soon we're going to have to start wrapping up. And uh, I'd like to invite you to share any more thoughts that you have to, for this answer now, if you've got other stuff that you'd like to discuss. Rob is doing a great job of implementing the discussion that we had last week about not cutting me off, about how we've properly addressed all the points of this question. Um, so congrats, Rob. Yeah, I'm fucking killing You're it. You're fucking killing it. I'm flexing so hard right now. Flexing so hard. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate that you communicated that. Yeah. Um, and I feel pretty good about what we've told our friend here. Um, yes, maybe he's trying to be impressive and cool. Maybe he's a narcissist. It's up to you to try to ask directly as you can and find out. Um, and do I think in general, some guys are less mature than their female counterparts of the same age and tend towards narcissistic (laughs) tendencies? I don't know. (laughs) We all do it. We all do it. I think that women mature (laughs) quicker out of biological yeah. And evolutionary necessity. And are just in general more kind of like focused on maintaining emotional balance and checking in with other people. Um, Cause that's just a more sort of feminine trait. I mean, men, men can be more feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a higher percentage of women who do that by default. Right. More than men. Right. Um, so, you know, be kind with him, be kind with yourself. If you feel like he's not meeting your needs, there will be someone else who likes you and asks about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. Yes. I have um, lots of questions for this person. If they have a podcast, yeah. I hope that they send us the link that we can ask them questions about themselves. Yeah. I would love to know more as well. Mm-hmm. I want to have this conversation with you about men being narcissists. Okay, we can and do. I want to share my opinion on sure. men in my life that I'm currently struggling with in this exact arena. <laughs> I'd love to hear it off camera. <laughs> we are off camera. <laughs> I'd love to see it off mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that really, honestly, like, thank you for inspiring me because I am going to go out there and have the conversations with those men as compassionately as I can to try to feel into, you know, I would really appreciate, I want to make you aware of this imbalance that I perceive and I would really appreciate that we work on it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for often, you know, asking the question invites the advice giver to reflect on it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because it can be a win-win baby. Yep. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to our closing remarks, <laughs> closing remarks for free advice. Episode yeah. 17, like the magazine, no affiliation. What's funny is that like, you don't, by the time you're actually 17, you mm-hmm. don't want to re- be reading a magazine that's targeted towards your age. Like you're no. reading 17 at like 13. People are interested in content that portrays characters slightly older than them mm. until they feel like they're too old and then they want to watch what the kids are doing again. Oh, interesting. I think. Okay. I'm just coming up with this now, but Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. who watches that show? What's that HBO new show with Zendaya? That's oh my God, Euphoria! I yeah. just started watching. Those kids it. are younger than you, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> this is about high school. Yeah, and I'm almost thirty. <laughs> I don't think I've watched a high school featured thing for very. I haven't gotten into like a high school setting yeah. since I was in high school. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Huh. 
I mean, I'm curious about it. You know, I have clients that are younger mm-hmm. yeah. and I just, I am interested in the human experience for any kind of subset of humans, I mm-hmm. think. And and I, I do think the teenage years are like, you know, a sexy example of that. Sure. Um, not because I'm sexually attracted to teenagers necessarily. But because you feel you are a sexy teenager. <laughs> but because on the inside, I'm just a sexy teenager like one. everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I mean like, you know, HBO is probably going to be more successful if they're doing a, if Drake is producing a show about high school and drug use Drake produces and that relationship. Show? Mm-hmm. He's one of the producers. Then, you know, uh, who's a really old celebrity? <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins producing a show on the, actually, this would be really interesting, like sex lives of old people in yeah. nursing homes. Actually, that shit is like rampant and there should be a show on that. Um and we get use, to it, Anthony. <laughs> we use Zendaya in Old Face. We like just use that phone app that everybody's posting pictures on Facebook of themselves. Yeah, where it makes you look old. And we just use today's young hot stars, but it's set in the future. So it's like they could actually do this. If Rugrats all, the all grown up. I haven't seen yeah. that porn parody, but I'm sure that it's <laughs> it's good if it's one of your go tos. You know, it no, by no, name. no, no, no. Nickelodeon made it about the Rugrats growing Nick up into dabbled teenagers. in the porn space. Nope, there's no porn at all. Are you sure you're not thinking you of Dickelodeon? You're thinking of Dickelodeon. <laughs> Dickelodeon. <You're> right. <laughs> right. All right, come on. <laughs> you come up with a great pun, and, and you know what? You... All I want to do is like latch myself onto it and be like, here's this other thing that you may not realize you were doing. You're such a creative genius. Please be my friend. Don't you see the opportunity to fit load into that word? It's a load-bearing word now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Good night. This has been fun. Send us your fun. calls for advice. We cannot wait to talk to you. And, um, you know, do it up. Do it up. As do we it, always just say. Just do it up. Do it up. <laughs> Don't do it down. Till next time. I'm free advice. <laughs>